This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Clarice Marais, Head of Marketing at Flow Lab. Clarice, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Art. Happy to be here. Great. Terrific. Thank you for coming. All right. Have you ever had this feeling when you're working on something, you're focused on relevant information only? You know exactly what you're supposed to be doing the next moment. This feeling may last minutes, hopefully more. This can be the moment you're building a marketing plan for your app or writing in creative an ad for, to promote your app or dig deep in numbers to, for your current user acquisition campaign. It doesn't matter. What matters is these moments are rare and precious. This is when a breakthrough moment may happen with your app project and you can finally nail a problem down. You may think that to achieve something, you need to be able to put your thoughts together it feels like that, right? In fact, it is how to be able to shut down everything that is not relevant to what you're doing right now. That is the key. Do you think there's an app that could you help with that, that, uh, that can help you with that? Perhaps such moments, have them more? Well, there is. It's called Flow Lab, and Glorious is here to tell us about the app and the story behind its 15x growth and getting 5,000 plus paying customers. What, your, what else you can ask for, right? But before doing that, let's talk about you, Clarice. First, um, tell us about yourself. Tell us your story. What is our background in marketing? Well, I'm originally South African, but as luck would have it, I started my marketing career in Dusseldorf, Germany, of all places. Um, I had the opportunity to work as an international brand marketing associate at Trivago, which at that stage was a hotel meta search, but I believe since then they've expanded into other travel products. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a great first entry into marketing by learning how to have a true data-driven approach to everything, uh, even offline marketing. And of course, it was also very fun and uh, international atmosphere. And I fell in love uh, with startup culture there at Trivago. Uh, after that, I decided to move from Dusseldorf to Berlin and joined DCMN, which is a performance and growth marketing agency for startups and digital businesses. There, I had the opportunity to move into digital marketing and also get exposure to many different verticals and business models. So also, of course, had an amazing time there, had a great team, but uh, after working there for over four, over four years, I gained uh, quite a lot of experience with different marketing channels and advised a wide range of businesses. So um, this year, I jumped at the opportunity to join Flow Lab as their head of marketing and uh, finally tackle a true startup from the ground up. Terrific. I've been to Dusseldorf once. Uh, it was a great walk uh, along the river. I do vividly remember that moment. That's, yeah, I guess that's one of the reasons why people love that city that much. Um, do, you, do you have a chance to go to Dusseldorf often these days? I mean, before COVID. 
Uh, unfortunately, since moving to Berlin, I've only been back there once. And it was really great to go back to the Altstadt. Uh, I don't know, you probably also went there when you visited. It's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the city where everyone would meet and um, have drinks. And it is a, a really nice, energetic part of the city. But other than that, I think uh, Berlin is quite a difficult place to leave. Uh, once you're in it, there's just so much to do here all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's totally true. All right. Um, now, what is Flow Lab? Uh, how does it work? How did the idea to create the, the app come about? Well, at its core, Flow Lab is a mental fitness app that helps ambitious people become more focused and productive through personalized guided med- meditations that are aimed to develop flow states. It combines personalization, measurability, meditation sessions, and it's rooted in uh, positive neuroplasticity training and flow science. So it's kind of a holistic approach uh, that mm-hmm. eventually trains users to develop peak mental performance. So, um, the idea, mm-hmm. yeah. Go ahead, please. Uh, the idea came about um, when Jonas, uh, the Flow Lab ideator, co-founder, and CEO. Um, he created actually the Institute of Ludology, uh, which is applied game science, and conducted studies on the environmental and individual psychological conditions for the occurrence of flow states in games. And then he wanted to take this knowledge and develop a mental coaching concept um, that was designed to facilitate productivity and flow in the modern workplace. And that is what um, he integrates now with the vision to make the science behind peak performance accessible for everyone through the Flow Lab app. Great. I, I do want to confess, I want to applaud you guys for finally bringing psychology to the mobile industry in a good way to help people be more productive to combat the Um, stress they're dealing with and achieving the goals that they're they're aiming for. Um, The the app industry is, um, I don't see enough of, um, you know, uh, psychology being applied to creating apps and um, being, you know, more um, thoughtful about uh, how people are interacting with apps and making sure that the negative side is not hitting them. Because if you're optimistic, if you're only aiming for a great, you know, outcome and ultimately chances are you may end up with something like Facebook, you know what I mean. Um, anyway, so uh, when you're planning to build the app, uh, did you have a vision for how to tell the story of the app to its potential users? Because every time you get to hear about a new app and a new app success, Like the most vivid part uh, of that app is the story that it, that has been told. Um, like I'm not saying this story being told about the you know calculator app or a notes app, but something that is helping people to be productive, to uh, you know travel, to you know grow their horizons with you know um, great content like books, podcasts, etc. So did you have this story uh, to tell about the app when you were uh, thinking about the app marketing for the app? Yes, definitely. Um, as you can ima- as you can imagine, um, from the beginning it was very important to distinguish Flowlab from other big players like Calm and Headspace who are more uh, geared towards the mental health part of the industry. 
um, and to make it really clear uh, that it's a completely different type of meditation app focusing on mental fitness and not mm -hmm. mental health. So we aim to educate people that it's not only to train, it's not only important to train the body, but also to train the mind. So even if you don't suffer from depression or anxiety, even if you are an ambitious, high-performing person, it is still possible for you um, to develop yourself and um, to use this positive neuroplasticity training um, to improve. And uh, I mean, myself, I don't know about you, but before I came across Flow Lab, I also was not aware that it's possible to train your mind over time to become more focused and productive through meditation. And um, I loved meditation before joining the company, but I never really thought of it as a way to um, work on mental fitness in that, in that sense. So that was a, a pretty cool thing when I learned. That's a great insight. You may not realize you have a problem before you start using the app. Yeah, because this is uh, usually the story with something that is, relates to your mental health. You don't, you don't realize you have it unless there is something that may give you a hint and actually show you that there is a way to improve. Um, um, you know, I know when you, you know, have a problem with uh, your stomach or you, you know, get something on your skin that's obvious to you, like, Uh, but with your mental health, you may not realize that there's something you can fix and actually help you to be more productive, more relaxed, yeah, getting, um, being always like in a, in a good, um, not being not reactive, being, um, prepared to stress and endure stress better. Um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I started using fitness plus meditations, uh, three months ago uh, because I was using fitness plus there or exercising exercises before that moment, like starting this spring and meditation was kind of a continuation of using that service because they, they, they launched meditation sessions and I decided why not give it a try uh, five minutes a day. And I got to tell you that it does help me to be more focused on my work, even though it was not intentional. Uh, It's just uh, well, your work. Your, it's just a continuation of your life. You're not going to the uh, ultra meditation state when you're working. You're it's still you. You're still doing a mental exercise. It just happens to be focused on your work. You know, making for a living. And yeah, I would I would totally agree that uh, mental health meditation and it's 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 crucial to be able to like I said at the beginning to focus on what you're doing and get rid of distraction. Definitely. And that's also something that I love about FlowLab is that it uses the combination of personalization. So um, essentially it's, it assesses your psychological profile in the beginning um, and then it um, creates a training plan for you where it serves you uh, the meditations mm -hmm. that help you improve on your weakest your weakest mental areas. So that's something that also sets it apart, I would say, from other meditation apps out there who maybe have a bit more of a catch-all approach or um, maybe is more of a library where you would go in and find uh, meditations yourself. It's uh, FlowLab is more of a mental fitness coach in that sense. And uh, to create routine um, is also amazing through uh, the measurability of it, where you can also assess your performance, how you improve over time. Um, it also is asking you uh, three 
short questions every time you enter the app to assess uh, if you improved this week on your focus, mm -hmm. um, maybe you were a bit more stressed this week than last week, and then it knows which meditations would help you get back on track. So that's also something that I really enjoy about it that I didn't find from other apps before I joined Flow Lab. So you're using AI essentially to personalize an app for every user, right, to his own profile. Exactly. Yeah. We um, truly believe that the whole um, mental fitness space could benefit from AI in a sense that it has not yet. But of course, this is also happening over time. I think um, many others would adopt this approach. But of course, I think um, in general, if we are able to just slightly uh, switch it to be more personalized for the user, the mm -hmm. routine and the forming techniques um, would be facilitated by this. Great. Um, now let's switch into the market size. Um, what about marketing channels you've been using so far? Which ones are, are uh, really helping you to connect the app with the users you're looking for? Yeah, so uh, we are in our infancy stage right now. So as you can imagine, like most apps, uh, we did invest the vast majority of our marketing budget this year, I would say upwards of 90% uh, into Facebook ads. And we saw the best success, of course, on Instagram. So mm -hmm. we had fortune this year where uh, one of our Instagram ads went viral. And that was kind of uh, the springboard that allowed us to grow uh, at the end 15x now uh, by the end of this year, because we were able to identify this very simple text format um, that had a, a very powerful message. Essentially, it just read, uh, your performance is not other people. And then it would list a bunch of things that essentially we impose on ourselves on a daily basis that um, causes us to not achieve our full potential. So it's kind of a bit of a challenging um, message that we put out there and it was shared widely and we were able to create a hypothesis-driven formulation from that and replicate it in other ads throughout the rest of the year. So that was kind of, um, of course, good fortune in our case, but also it showed us what our community um, likes to see, what kind of content um, triggers mm -hmm. people in a positive sense. So not just negatively, of course, some people would um, feel a bit attacked by message by messaging like this, but a lot of them uh, felt empowered. Uh, they felt that it spoke to them in an honest, sincere way that many other ads don't, right? Because it was really um, speaking to their true uh, weaknesses and weaknesses we all have as people. So yeah, Instagram was the main catapult for us, but of course we tested TikTok, uh, Google UAC, um, but unfortunately with the launch of Scan, um, we weren't able really to see many postbacks coming in from those campaigns. So mm. we could not truly assess the performance. So I hope next year um, when we're able to launch again and test new channels again, that we can uh, test it again in order to see the true uh, potential of these channels for us, because of course uh, everyone needs to diversify eventually uh, Instagram <laughs> will be saturated for us soon I think um, so that, that's something to look forward to next year I gotta tell you 5,000 clients at the beginning that's that's a nice start uh, so um, I, I I do want to ask you um, um, like Obviously, you're aiming to get a viral effect because the, the app is the 
like I said, it's it's it, when it, when the application has something to do with uh, actually helping people to improve their life one way or the other, uh, either even I don't traveling, leisure, entertainment, work, um, education. It has the potential to become viral because it brings real value to people's life, and it's you know in a big way, not like I said, like a calculator or a notes app. So. Um, what was your experimentation with TikTok? Did you try to do something creative or trying to see if you can um, just uh, make the, like trying to adopt the Facebook ads to TikTok? So we definitely tried a combination of both. I think um, as all app marketers testing TikTok for the first time, we are very tempted to use our winning Instagram as story mm-hmm. ads. Um, as creatives and TikTok uh, for the beginning, but we also created um, organic TikTok content. We uh, launch new TikTok videos uh, multiple times a week now uh, to also just, of course, try and build an organic uh, community there. Um, and then we're very easy. It's very easy to use them then as Spark ads um, also in the TikTok ads manager. Um, the issue was for us that we could truly not see installs or events coming in from TikTok through our campaigns because of the whole um, scan issue. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, when we did test it, it was at the beginning stages of the rollout. So um, our MMP and TikTok, and I think just in general, the whole um, understanding of how postbacks work and how we had to uh, put a certain amount of budget behind in order to see any kind of um, performance numbers was um yeah not really uh, possible at that stage so i think now that it's developed a bit more and um next year we can also put a bit more budget behind it of course it's not in our nature to have very expensive tests but in the new world of app marketing i think it does require a bit more budget to back your experiments these days yeah, of course, it's unfortunate that you couldn't uh, track the um, uh, downloads to a TikTok campaign because of scam was just launched. But um, we know, well know that it's been developed, that the they're not like um, launched the system and hasn't um, touched it since. Uh, they're, they're listening for the feedback. And uh, I do hope that the next time you're starting your campaign early next year, you will be able to finally be able to track down multiple channels and see how how the user acquisition campaign is going on multiple frontiers, even with scan network obviously being in place because people are switching on iOS 15 uh, pretty quickly. Uh, speaking of analytics, uh, what has been instrumental for you guys to, well, like, well, apart from scan network, uh, what you were using to track the um, um the connection between your user acquisition campaigns and uh, getting actual users. Yes, so uh, Revenue Cat has truly been our source of truth uh, through the whole ATT apocalypse. Um, since we weren't truly able to um, assess performance on a campaign level or ad level um, as we used to, um, we just pulled trial data, subscriptions, revenue mm-hmm. data, all of that from Revenue Cat, and um, we did a blended analysis. I think um, that was kind of also the strategy of most. Uh, App marketing companies this year is to just see if we pull a lever here, um, mm-hmm. what does the data do? Um, and yeah, that has really been, I would say, a big help for us throughout this to just be able to have some sort of um, data-driven approach behind our marketing this year. 
Got you. Um, do you communicate with app users? Because I gather when you have an app that they're connected with people's lives, you must be able to get the feedback and see what people are saying, how it's actually helping them on a daily basis. What has been the feedback so far? Yeah, of course, um, we uh, ask feedback from our users via uh, email from existing ones, but also from ones who uh, don't end up converting or who cancel their subscriptions. Mm -hmm. And uh, the majority um, actually say that the voice of the guided meditation um, sounds maybe a bit too American for them or a bit too sensual. We've also gotten uh, the feedback that it sounds a bit um, romantic <laughs> in the guy's voice. <laughs> Um, and of course, we're still a young startup, so we would eventually um, diversify the voices that are available in the app. We would also, of course, like to include a female voice uh, later on and perhaps also a British um, voice because a lot of the, the British users or non-American users uh, don't really like the American accent, which is fair, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's quite interesting that people would like to really pick and choose uh, the voices they hear. Yeah, that's the whole reason why Siri has multiple voices. And for whatever reason, I perceive the old, the original Siri voice like a student. And the second female voice, which you can hear right now, sounds like a couch, like a, like a woman in her 40s. So <laughs> this is kind of a psychological profile of a voice from your device. But well, we know the Siri doesn't exist, but in your case, this is a you know, real person on the other hand who creates this set of meditation sessions. And uh, so, so far you're saying it's only English, right? In British and American uh, version, no other languages so far, right? Exactly. So we have an American voice and um, the app is only in English right now. It actually started as a German app, a fun fact, uh, because the founder, of course, is German and he oh, yeah. used to do it himself in the beginning. Uh, but since then, of course, that was MVP and now um, only the English one is live. All right, great. So uh, switching gears a little bit, um, generally speaking, what do you think about the current state of affairs with how we interact with mobile devices. Uh, do you see net negative or net positive? Meaning when you're looking at uh, what is the role, like how much time are we uh, spending on mobile devices in our own lives and what are we doing with them? Like, uh, do you see like the net negative, meaning uh, the outcome, if you're putting together both positive and negative uh, sides, like the negative are overweighting the positive side or the other way around. And you see like, no, 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 uh, despite um, the negative effects, still do you believe that mobile devices are playing a positive role in our lives? A very philosophical question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like it. Um, I think we're currently at a crossroads, to be honest. Um, the net positive or net negative outcome will be entirely determined on an individual level, uh, where each person has to decide for themselves if they choose to use their device to be productive, um, you know, to do meditation or uh, to work on their well-being, or if they would like to scroll endlessly through TikTok and start fights uh, with strangers on Twitter. So... 
yeah, with regards to mobile devices specifically, I think people are currently learning um, how to use them responsibly in order to get the most out of them and to practice discipline um, with the devices um, and not harm their well-being. And the growth of the wellness app space in the last years actually proves that people are looking for ways to enhance their mental and physical well-being with their mobile devices uh, like Flowlab or Freeletics, for example. So, yeah, people are also mitigating the mental health damage caused by social media apps, um, like I just mentioned, by limiting the time they spend on these platforms um, through um, yeah, using settings to kick them out after a few minutes. I know I have that enabled on my device. I don't know about oh, you. Oh, yeah, much. me too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, 15 minutes maximum for me on TikTok every day. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even tipping my toe into the uh, TikTok uh, universe. Uh, you know, I'm not there at all. Uh, my saver books on the Kindle app, uh, and I find it really funny to see the <laughs> encouraging messages on the right in the app saying, "You've been a strike for 40 weeks reading. Keep reading more." My impression was, "What? I'm reading a book." Give me a break. It's not a social media app. Please stop encouraging me, encouraging me at least here. Well, um, yeah, um, I would totally agree with you. It's the the assessment if it's net positive or net negative is entirely on the, you know uh, on the personal level. Uh, it depends on who are you asking this question to. Um, I'll, I'll just uh, quickly quote the. Uh, nice uh, kind of a summarize what's going on with all of us right now. It's uh, There is a great biologist, o, uh, Edward O. Wilson, which says we built a civilization with, let's see if I can remember that, um, paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem because all three components are there our emotions still, as we used to have them you know, thousands of years ago, institutions are not catching up with technology and technology really uh, enable us to do a lot of things we're not really prepared for. So yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons I do appreciate apps like yours because it helps us to navigate this um, not easy uh, territory. The app industry is vast. To navigate this space, you need a director to look up suppliers and partners, and you need to know who are the best. Visit our marketplace directory at businessofapps.com slash marketplace slash podcast. And now, back to the show. Okay, we actually covered the major topic on the table, and there are just a few more questions that I get to ask every guest on this show. Because I do want to do both, um, bring people inside in specific area to cover a specific topic and let them know my guests a little bit better. So here we go. Question number one, what smartphone do you have now? And have you been switching between iOS to Android and back or just staying one side all the time? 
Well, uh, currently I have a humble iPhone 8, I think, uh, which is both my company phone and my personal phone. I really try not to place um, much value on brands or having the latest gadgets. So whenever I can, I would rather purchase something that's refurbished or um, yeah, rent a device. So I don't have to yeah buy the latest shiny new thing. Uh, but that's just my, my personal uh, tech minimalist uh, wannabe lifestyle. And um, when I lived in South Africa, I actually had Android phones exclusively. But uh, since I moved to Europe, um, I switched over to iOS because mm-hmm. uh, in my company, we always used to work on iPhones and Mac. But I don't really have a, a preference either. Or. Got it. Uh, do you remember what was your first mobile phone, pre-smartphone era, those days? Do you still remember what was the phone? Mm, I remember, I think it was a Nokia 8210. That was the very tiny red one, right? Mm, I just mm-hmm. remember a very small red phone uh, that I always just used to use uh, to play Snake and for nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, those memories will be living with us years to come. Um, now, back to reality, back to this day. Um, imagine you've left your smartphone at home for whatever reason. Is there any feature that will be missing for you because of that? Um, I mean, I, I do leave my phone at home uh, on purpose uh, many oh. times, just I can really take um, a distance from it and also switch off and be in the real world whenever I have the opportunity, which um, like everyone else in the last two years has not been abundant. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when I do, for example, commute somewhere or I go somewhere by myself, so I don't have anyone to speak to I and I don't have my phone with me, I really do miss having some sort of um, entertainment or um, something educational to listen to. So probably uh, Spotify, but for that, I would need my headphones and my phone. <laughs> so I would not leave those at home if I'm by myself. Right. Got it. Um, I think I know the answer on the next question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, are there any technologies uh, could be both hardware, software you're thinking about Uh, your iPhone, um, not you know the specific model, the iPhone you're having uh, on your uh, in your home, uh, but just in general, what are you waiting for? What, what do you think would be great to have on, uh, on your smartphone to make it? Um, I don't want to say more efficient, but to be able to be more useful for in your, for you in your life. This might not be a popular answer, but I would love to have some hard barriers being imposed on a smartphone or screen use in general. So I know um, some countries are now making it impossible uh, for employers to email or stack employees um, in spare time. So I think um, some companies even, they don't have the possibility to open Slack on the weekend. Mm-hmm. It, technically not possible and uh, it would i think for the <laughs> the mental health of society it would be amazing if yeah smartphones after a certain hour of the day would just not um yeah function with regards to social networks or specific apps that are not uh, essential for us so for example nobody really needs to be able to go 
on TikTok or Instagram between the times of midnight and uh, 5 a.m., for example. So if there would be some sort of feature that um, yeah, makes it possible for people to not even technically open it, a very hard barrier, I think that would be an interesting uh, experiment to see how anxiety and stress levels um, might change. Yeah, I think I can give you a good analogy of a smartphone and a fridge. No midnight, midnight snacks, no <laughs> opening your fridge every five minutes to grab something from it. It's a great thing. It keeps you alive. It's helpful. It you, you know, allows you to um, refill your energy, but you're not supposed to be grabbing stuff from your fridge every few minutes or every two seconds. It's just a tool for your life, um, but that's it. No more than a tool. At least it should be, but yeah, we're, we're definitely having a problem with um, overeating, so to speak. All yeah, right, that's... That, <laughs> what? Yeah, self-control is a bit of an issue in today's society, unfortunately. That's for sure. All right, that was my very last question, but actually there's just one more. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, of course, you can find the FlowLab app in the App Store and Google Play Store. And if you have any feedback um, or feature recommendations, always happy to hear them. We're constantly looking on how to improve and develop the app further. So yeah, it was great speaking with you, Art. Thanks so much for having me. Great. Thanks a lot for your time and coming on our podcast, Clarice. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that was Clarice Marey, Head of Marketing at FlowLab. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Where are those episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.